Hello and welcome to Nested Folders, a show where we talk about productivity. My name is Rose from Orchard and I'm here today, as always, with Scotty Jackson. Hello, Scotty. How are you? I'm great, Rose. How's it going? Uh, it's going great because we've got an exciting announcement for today's show, haven't we? Big news. Yeah, we're really excited to announce that we're actually creating a premium feed for anybody who wants to support the podcast called unnested folders and this is going to be where we take your questions and your challenges and we give our thoughts and answers and potential solutions to how we might approach that precise problem uh do you want to tell us a bit more scotty yeah um so yeah unnested folders we just take everything and dump it all out over the floor and have a good look at it and uh yeah and see what we come up with um we're going to be doing one unnested folders exclusive episode a month and it'll also have all the regular episodes in that feed. So you'd only need to subscribe to one feed and uh, $5 a month to help support us. And you can check us out at the nestedfolderspodcast.com slash unnested. That's off our home site. And you can see all the specific details for unnested there. Yes. And of course, we will have a link to that in our show notes as well. Yes. And uh, what we thought we'd do today, we are going to give you a sneak preview of what this is like. Um, and just to be very clear, anybody who chooses not to subscribe to Unnested Folders is going to still get their two episodes or more, depending on how many weeks there are in the month, etc. Um, every month, this is just extra content for those of you who really want to go out of your way to support us. And we appreciate that. But if you can't do that, then that's totally okay. Um, but today's episode is going to be a sneak preview of what that's like. Yes. And uh, we actually have a, a listener question. Mark wrote in and uh, he had some great questions for us. And we asked him if we could talk about it on the show. And he said, yes. So uh, Scotty, can you give us a preview of what Mark said? Sure. Uh, and, and this is a fantastic, I'm just going to read what what Mark wrote. So we have Mark's own words here. Uh, he says, here is my dilemma. I work for a fire department as a fire inspector. I do not have a typical day by any means. My calendar is in a constant state of flux with inspections, projects, emergency assignments, and other things. I'm having trouble keeping myself organized and my documentation up to date. Help, I am drowning in paperwork. The bad news is I am dual operating system because of work, Mac and iOS for my personal stuff and Windows for work stuff. There are all sorts of things I would love to automate and use shortcuts for, but I don't know where to start. Any insight would be appreciated. Wow. Thanks so much, Mark. This is, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. This is fantastic. Rose, what do you think? Well, I would say, first of all, if things are not literally on fire, then Mark is definitely doing a great job. Cheers, Mark. Uh, because it sounds like there's a whole lot of things going on here. And, you know, if your life is crazy, because, you know, everything changes all the time, then to some extent, you're going to have to start by accepting that there's crazy and uh, figuring out how to work around it, which is, you know, what we're going to talk about today. Yes, absolutely. I think I, uh, the thing that stood out to me the most as I, as I read through this many times was that there's there's several like really um, specific challenges or or things to try and solve for here. And I thought it would be valuable to you know, break those out as like, here are like some specific problem statements that I, that would be worth talking about. One is that um, clearly Mark has uh, needs to have a system that helps support a variety of kinds of work. So he talks about, you know, calendar driven stuff, emergency driven stuff, projects, tasks, uh, you know, admin. So needs for that. Uh, secondarily, moving across different locations. It sounds like Mark is moving ar ar around a lot. Third is, you know, being able to change 
point to focus quite a bit. And fourth is the mm-hmm. cross-platform piece, understanding that you know there's multiple operating systems or platforms in play for Mark. Yes, exactly. Um, and actually, what I would start with is looking at the Mac and iOS for personal and the Windows for work and trying to figure out how much overlap there actually is between personal and work. Because for me, I have multiple different kinds of work. Um, so I have the work work of the day job that I do. And then I have, you know, podcasting and screencasting and writing and things like that, which are the more personal side of work. So those things go into my personal systems, but my work work that goes into totally separate systems. And that works really well for me. Um, and so I would actually recommend, especially because Mark has Windows in this case for work stuff, that if he can split that up, that that might be a good place to start. What do you think about that, Scotty? I think that's a really good idea. I mean, I, I would theorize that, you know, stuff like inspections or routine project work is probably happening within a constrained set of hours. Like you're, you're probably not doing a fire inspection at, at 9 p.m. Maybe that does occur. But I, w- I would try and define... Uh, to your point, as many bookends as possible so that I could say, okay, from this time in in the day to this time in the day, here are the kinds of things I could reasonably expect. And here are the you know pieces of equipment I'm going to have at hand. And from this time in the day to this time in the day, here are the other kinds of things that I could expect. You know, maybe that's, you know, so dividing work personal, or maybe even there's like subcategories of of work things, you know, if, if certain work tasks or projects happen, you know, typically in the afternoons or typically in the mornings, maybe you can start to create some constraints around that. I don't know how much agency over your calendar you have, Mark, but I, I would think about that in as much as possible to try and block um, periods of time to certain kinds of work, because that helps create some rules for yourself, possibly around when you're using what tools and what systems. Yes. Um, I very much get the impression that Mark does not have a lot of control over his calendar and that other people are scheduling things. And mm-hmm. I certainly know how that feels. I don't have it to the extent that Mark does, but I have had days where I've had to book be- meetings with myself to be able to do things that were critical to my job, because otherwise I would have been in a meeting with somebody else discussing why I wasn't meeting my deadlines, because, you know, that's how work works. Right. Um, and so what I would suggest um, with regards to that when, you know, when you don't have a lot of control is a regular emergency scanning. Um, And so that would be, you know, you notice that there's 15 minutes free in your calendar and you just scan through and see what things are sort of smoldering, uh, to stick with the fire analogy, you know, what is not yet on fire, but is about to be on fire, or maybe what is literally on fire right now and you have to deal with that, (laughs) Um, literally or figuratively, depending on, you know, what's happening. If something is actually on fire and there are flames, I would suggest extinguishing that and then coming back and looking at the next, you know, not literally on fire thing. Um, But, you know, regular emergency scanning, um, when you have the chance to do that, will probably help here because well we we recently did a series on gtd and we talked about going through and capturing and then processing your inbox and organizing everything sometimes you don't get the chance to sit and do the the process and the organized side of things if you are having one of those days or weeks or that is your job where things are just constantly crazy then regularly scanning through your inbox in those periods that you have um where you can just say oh right this is super critical i'm just going to do this right now and deal with it even if it's not a two-minute action if it fits into that time period you've got i would suggest that that is another great way to 
deal with some of these things. I, I agree. And I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the GTD series because I was thinking to myself, you know, planning and thinking about the discrete steps of the GTD workflow, I think would be really beneficial for something like this. So thinking about, you know, okay, I'm moving all over the place. I, I'm, I'm pretending to be Mark now. I, I'm, I'm moving all over the place. I've got all these different bodies of work. How, how am I going to be able to capture and how am I going to be able to capture consistently? And, and so for myself, I wouldn't shy away from paper uh, for something like this because it's highly portable, um, highly experimental in terms of how I want to capture. Um, mm-hmm. And then thinking about, you know, when I sit down to process and organize, um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, having and as much as you can, as many rules about that for yourself as possible in terms of what system or platform will play what roles. Um, but I think that that's a really good, that's a really good foundation. And then, you know, like you said, you know, review when you can, um, probably as, as often as possible. And even if that's just, you know, a triage of like, what, what does my capture list look like? Or what do my, what does my inbox look like? Um, what's, what needs my attention today or right now, depending on how often, you know, you can do that kind of triaging and scanning. Yeah, I would definitely agree on the paper front because it's very portable and it's also very easy to hand something off to other people. Now, I don't know how much delegating Mark can do. Um, I am hoping that there is a at least some things that he can pass off to somebody else if something is critical that has to be done, but he has back-to-back meetings and inspections and there's an emergency assignment that pops up um, that he can say, hey, I need you to take this and do this. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I actually very much like paper. I would suggest probably index cards and a binder clip uh, for them. Hipster PDA styles was very popular about 15 years ago, if you Google it. Um, <laughs> people used to do their entire GTD setups on this. I wouldn't necessarily advocate for that because uh, it can be quite easy to lose index cards. Um, and it, especially if you're working as a fire inspector, I presume that there is a potential risk of fire with at least some of the things that you're doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, burnt index cards and therefore lost captured items is probably not great. Um, but, you know, uh, having, you know, at least uh, a very low tech, easy, fast way to do this stuff, because that's something else I would definitely suggest. Start with the absolute basics. So, um, Mark mentioned, you know, that he's got a lot of documentation and, you know, he needs to file things as well. And I would really start with the basics. So on Mac and iOS side, that's using Finder uh, on Mac and files on iOS. And with iCloud, they can sync with each other. And on Windows, I would just start with Windows Explorer and organize things in the simplest way possible. And then once you've organized things and you, you've got a basic setup, then find out what problems you're actually experiencing with things mm-hmm. so that you can then go ahead and fix those precise problems. It's very tempting to go ahead and say, I'm going to jump straight into Dev and Think. But Dev and Think, previous sponsor of the show, they are very good for organizing things. But I would suggest that starting with a simple foundation when everything is so crazy is great because then you can always index with something like that later or add Hazel if you just need automated filing or something like that. Um, And on Windows, there's a tool called Belvedere, I believe, um, which can do that as well, assuming that you can install programs on your Windows machine at work. Mm. Um, But, um, you know, you, you can add those things later, but starting 
simple and basic, you know, mail on macOS, probably Outlook, I'm presuming, or there's a Windows mail client on, on Windows and using the built-in, you know, reminders or to-do applications is a great way of doing it. And most of these have compatible apps that you can install on your personal device as well. So you can get access to, you know, your work to-dos and stuff on your iPhone if you need it. Um, but start with the basics. It's definitely where I would go. Totally. And and if if in part by basics, if I can interpret that a little bit, I, 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 I'm the kind of person who I will start with start with the f- philosophy and the workflow and then find the apps and systems that support that the best rather than starting from the app and trying to figure out the workflow that will adapt to that app well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially because you're in a multi-platform environment, starting from, you know, shortcuts or starting from a particular application and trying to work backwards is going to be really, really hard. I think it will be a lot easier if you start with foundationally what is the approach I want to take and how do I want the work steps of that approach to, to look and operate for myself and then find, you know, the set of applications. Cause it will have to be a set because you're working in a multi-platform environment probably um, that, that support that. So um, I, I think being particularly meta about what is working for you, particularly as you, uh, you know, if you were to adopt this, you know, paper-like approach for a start, um, is be ready to, you know, really reflect and review, not in just like the GTD weekly review sense, but from like just sort of a daily reflection perspective, think about, okay, what about this worked for me today? What about this did not work for me today? What, what have I learned in my approach to things? What might I try differently tomorrow? And I think if you're willing to give yourself that five to 10 minutes of reflection daily on how you're working your system, you can iterate very quickly, particularly if you're not constraining yourself to, to apps from the onset and adapt. And then once you've got, you know, a sort of a, a hardened approach that you're comfortable with, then start looking at software to say, okay, how do I use applications to make this easier for me? Because this is how I know I work well. Yeah, definitely. And it's very easy to end up accidentally being worked by your system if you if you try too hard with all of the fancy, amazing automation stuff to start with. I've made that mistake before. I'm the, the voice of experience is speaking here. <laughs> it's very easy to be like, oh, and I can automate this thing and it's amazing and it's wonderful and it is amazing and wonderful until you realize three months later that you're spending your time shuffling things around in your task management system. And in Mark's case, maybe all of the documentation that desperately needed updating mm-hmm. is not up to date. Because I think the other thing that Mark is going to have to do here is he's going to have to sit down and do a big review of everything and make sure everything is captured. So that's going to be going through every single piece of documentation and checking when it needs to be updated by and capturing that. Now, I don't know how this documentation is uh, organized right now, if it's physical paper or digital, and if it's maybe in some kind of online system or centralized system somewhere. But somehow, you know, there needs to be a way of finding that documentation and creating a link to it. So either that's, you know, saying filing cabinet B um, in, in the in the note for the task, or that's going to be maybe a link to it if it's on some kind of web system, or you can use a file link on macOS and uh, Windows uh, where you can easily get uh, a, a, the file path for the document and you can put that in. So you can just click and jump straight to it and, and see it. Um, and also while you're going through and capturing that, I would definitely recommend looking 
to see when these things need to be updated and adding that recurrence straight away. Mm-hmm. So add in the, the, the next due date or the last due date if it wasn't done before um, and put the recurrence straight on that task so that you, you know and then you can hopefully go through and catch up with any backlog um, and you're, you're setting yourself up for future success as well. And if you, you stick with a simple solution like reminders or to-do, which is uh, the – Outlook built-in tasks, uh, I believe, then um, the the brilliance of that is you can relatively Im- easily import it into something else later, um, which, you know, goes back to the start simple and then add to things once you're, you've got a system in place. For sure. I, I, I think one of the biggest things that can be one of the largest costs or impacts to, you know, effective productivity is, is switching. And it sounds like by necessity, Mark has to do an awful lot of it. So I, I would think about opportunities to try and minimize that in as much as possible. I like what you said, Rose, about establishing routines where you can, particularly if there's, you know, routine documentation or routine documents or, you know, predictable things like weekly or monthly reports or something like that. Um, and, and as well, exploring opportunities to batch as much as possible. So if you know you're sitting down to do some particular paperwork on topic A, um, having a well-organized system to, to look for other paperwork that is, you know, needs to be done or is incoming uh, to, you know, leverage your, your mindset at that point of time. Uh, to do that stuff together uh, in a batch uh, as well mm-hmm. might be might be a really effective approach you know again you know w- where possible I think we're we're going to be kind of spitballing ideas here not knowing some of the specifics but um, these are certainly things that that I would be thinking about um, as potential areas of opportunity or or, or, or things to think about. Yes, definitely. Um, and I, we can unfortunately only guess to some extent. I'm very curious as to what exactly if our inspector's day to day looks like, mm-hmm. because as Mark said, he doesn't have a typical one. So I, I would be very curious to get some more details of that. Um, but I'm just thinking about the filing as well. And, um, going back to what I did at university, which depending on how much physical paperwork there is may or may not be feasible is uh, a binder with pockets in. Um, and so I just had a binder with pockets in and I organized the pockets based on when stuff was due. Um, And this was great because it meant that I could just, if I was going to go home for the weekend to visit my parents, I didn't have to take the whole binder. I could just take out like the next, you know, couple of things that were going to be due within a relatively short period of time. Um, And I would just put those in a smaller folder and take that with me. Um, Now, the only thing that I will mention that was a flaw in my otherwise brilliant plan is I stuck post-its on the pockets to say when the due date was. Mm. It turns out after a while, post-its lose their sticky. So what I'd done at the beginning of the semester, at the end of the semester, I'd go and pick up a punched pocket or three and the post-its would just sort of fly off and float around. Um, So uh, I then switched systems the next year and I started putting like those little uh, square pieces of paper from note blocks inside the punch pocket with uh, the paperwork so that I could see it. And they were also nice bright colors, which was very easy. Uh, to spot. Um, so it, depending on, you know, how documentation works, like that might be um, an easy way to to see things and, and stay on top of it because it is very much like, okay, and I have half an hour where I can sit down and do paperwork and here's the next piece of documentation that needs updating. This isn't due for two weeks. Okay, let's see if there's something else I need to do. Um, it, it can feel quite satisfying to just know that 
you know, like that, that's the next thing that needs to be done. And it's also easy to share with other people as well. Now, I don't know how much sharing Mark might need to do as part of his job. I presume if he's out sick, somebody else is going to do fire inspection stuff. Um, but, um, you know, if there's multiple people dealing with stuff, then sometimes sticking with a very simple system like that might be useful. Uh, indeed. I like what you said about colors too. I have found that when, when I was operating with a lot of physical paperwork, um, I had a collapsible accordion file. Uh, they collapsed to about, a, about an inch thick, but had 13 accordion pockets in it, um, for, for filing, which is, which is great to be able to organize and bring material with me and also adopted sort of a set of color rules for myself. So I found that it would be very easy to find things like file folders or uh, notepads or, or other document containing systems uh, in common colors of things like red, yellow, orange, blue, green, purple. And so I developed for myself sort of rules around what each color meant. You know, red meant uh, like do, like this, this is important action material. Yellow was waiting on. Green is a project support material. Blue is stuff that I can only take care of in a particular location. Purple is someday maybe. And uh, orange is sort of general reference. So th- that was the the rule set that I set up for myself around colors. And I found that to be a really valuable visual shortcut uh, as I'm moving mm-hmm. information around. And, and if you can, you can also start to adopt that as, you know, maybe color flags or color categories in your, in your email client so that you're using the same sort of visual indicator consistently across everything. At one point I went like way too far deep and got a set of Sharpie pens that was in that color set as well. So that every time I took notes that were project support, I would always write in green. If I was writing actions, they would be in red. Um, That's a little bit cumbersome maybe, but um, I, I think that to me having that kind of visual indicator as a shortcut to what is now, what is later, what is action, what is not can be a really helpful mm-hmm. tool to help, you know, sift through the madness of uh, the busy days that you have. Yeah. Color coding is great. Uh, I am one of those people who loves color coding um, and I have four color Bic pens. So I've got one that's got like black, blue, red and green in it. And then I've got another one that's got a purple, a light blue, a light green and a pink. Um, and I love them. And I've been carrying a notebook with me everywhere recently because solicitors have the tendency to phone at the most awkward moments um and it's great to just be able to pull something out and like write things down with the different colors i do find though i struggle to an extent to be consistent with my color coding so i found actually if i'm taking notes on paper the bullet journal method um Mm. for Mm -hmm. identifying different kinds of actions is great because then if you're not consistent with colors or uh, there are also people who are colorblind out there and have to, you know, make sure that they actually can see what it is and differentiate between things. Um, it, it's great for that. And also, if something runs for a photocopier later on black and white, then you still know what it means. Um, so um, that could be another way as well. And color coding and adding symbols are a great way to, um, you know, upgrade any system pretty much. Um, I also like to use emoji for organizing things um, because (laughs) it can be a great visual way in, you know, a task to see, oh, hey, like this has got a person in it. That means that I need another person for this, Um, you know, or this is a person followed by the word Sue. Okay. So that means I specifically need Sue for this. Um, Well, right now I'm the only person here. Okay. Let's look for all the ones that don't start with a person. 
Uh, this one starts with a document. Okay, so that's a documentation thing. I can deal with that. Yeah, I've, I've found that kind of symbology to be really, really useful. And when I would be in a meeting taking notes by hand, uh, yeah, similarly, I would use like an at, an at sign to represent something that needs a person, you know, a, a, a dash represents an action I'm going to need to take. A bullet represents, you know, just a piece of information. A question mark means, you know, a, a specific question that I have that I want to follow up on later. Um, a, a plus sign to me meant, you know, a project, because I think I took that from todo.txt on Lifehacker a million years ago. A <laughs> uh, plus sign meant, you know, a project that I needed to create. I, I think having a little library of shorthand for yourself, whatever makes sense for you, whether that's, you know, emojis or or symbols or or anything like that, is a great way of making capture easier and also sets the stage for the ability to do those, you know, quick triage like reviews and scans that that Rosemary was talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, And the thing is, is only you at the end of the day are going to know your system and you're going to figure out what works. So I can't remember how easy it is to type emoji on Windows. I know on Mac, it's command control space to bring up the emoji picker and then you can type and hit return. Or there's a great application called Rocket which I have installed and I can just type a colon and then start typing uh, the name of the emoji. But if you find it cumbersome, then that is not going to work for you. So you have to figure out whatever system it is that does work, which is where things like the exclamation mark and the question mark and maybe the greater than symbol and, and stuff like that can really, you know, help you out. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, so, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot to, I think we've, we've said a lot of things. We've got a lot of ideas here. Mark, it would be super interesting to hear from you if any of this lands for you and and what sticks and uh and keep us posted on on how things are going we would love to share a, a maybe a a mark revisited update in in a future episode definitely it, it's very interesting to hear what other problems people are struggling with and to see if we can help solve these you know we are not wizards or gurus we're just two people who like productivity maybe a little too much i don't know if that's mm. a thing um and uh we we like to help each other and help other people so that's why we do the podcast Absolutely. so hopefully mark we've given you some help here right on thanks very much for being part of our 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 first our first listener uh, examination, Mark. We really appreciate your willingness to to share your experience with us, and and uh, I hope that this has proven proven useful for you. Yes, and also for everybody else who likes to see what kind of problems other people are experiencing and how they could potentially be solved. Yes, so be sure to share your questions and uh, challenges with us. Yep, we do look forward to hearing from everybody. As always, feedback of all kinds is welcome. And if you do have a specific question that you would like to hear us go through in a future Unnested Folders episode, we are, of course, very happy to hear that. If you send us an email, just make sure that you mention it. Or if you use the contact form on our website, then there's a checkbox there. Hey, where is our website, Rose? Well, the website is over at nestedfolderspodcast.com and we have a Twitter account, Nested Folders. Uh, Scotty, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I can be found at heyscottyj.com or by the same name on Twitter and Instagram. Rosemary Orchard, where might people find you? I am at rosemaryorchard.com and at the same name on Twitter as well. Wonderful. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And if you want to subscribe to Unnested Folders, then you can also find that at nestedfolderspodcast.com slash unnested. See you again soon. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care, Rose. Bye, Scotty.